Uh, I want to thank Linda and Daryl for reading half the book of First John to us uh, today. And if you've been following along in our Love and Light series, um, we have been working through the letters of First, Second, and Third John piece by piece. And uh, we've been working through a study guide in our small groups and all those kinds of things. The second part of our study guide is available now in the lobby if you want to grab a copy of that on your way out. As well, there's a spot where you can scan for a digital copy and that kind of thing. But you'll notice as you look at the, the study guide, reading guide for this week, there's a lot there. Those two passages that Linda and uh, Daryl read for us are the passages that we're working through today. Uh, totaling, you know, something of like 35, 40 verses in that ballpark. And in some ways, I feel like they read it, and I don't really need to preach a sermon anymore. Like, there, there is so much in there that just to sit with the words that were spoken, I think, is something that we, uh, we would benefit from. And so I encourage you this week uh, just, to, just to read through the passages uh, in your reading or study guide uh, and just just let um, let the words of Scripture kind of rest in your your soul as you work through it. But what we've noticed as we've been working through these letters of John is John doesn't write like his friend Paul. When Paul wrote his letters, Paul was very like logical. He had a progression of thought. It's like if A, then B, but not C, and so D. Like he very logical sequence of working through something. He, he had a, a, a roadmap that you could follow. John, on the other hand, is maybe he's a bit more artistic. I don't know, but he has these main themes that he highlights, and then he's just kind of circling back to them over and over, and there are these things that he really wants the people reading his letters to understand. If you didn't catch it from the readings, he really wants us to understand about love this week. He really wants us to understand about love. These two major sections, we've decided to put them together this week in our reading and preaching because they are really unpacking what John understands and thinks about what love is. I mean, we have all kinds of ideas about what love is and means. Like, it is very natural for me to be able to say, I love my wife. But in, in the same breath, sometimes I could very easily say, well, I love covered bridge, dark russet barbecue kettle cooked potato chips because they're phenomenal. That flavor in particular. They need to make them in bigger bags. But I use the same language for my wife as I use for these kettle chips. And uh, like it, it does, one kind of just like pales in comparison the other. I can say, well, I, I really like well-written music. And, and I talk about that in the same breath and use the same words as, as how I talk about the kind of relationship that I have with my wife. Like, the way we use love is, is kind of confusing. It can be both a deep, life-changing, profound thing, and it can also be, I prefer to order nachos. Like, there's one or the other. We also live in a time where where love is being defined in, in all kinds of ways, where, where often the way we talk about love is, is distorted in ways that, that taints it with this, like, 
it often sexualizes it in an unnecessary way and, and makes love into more of a lust, more of a what can I get from you. We also talk about love in ways that are, are kind of like, well, to love someone means to have this like unconfrontational friendliness with someone, that I'm just always going to he tell you the things that you want to hear. To, to love someone is to live that way. But in these passages that we read, and as we're going to work through them a bit this morning, we're going to look at some of the key ideas and things that John says about love and what it means for us as followers of Jesus in the 21st century in Kings County PEI to follow Jesus and to love in the way that John is talking about. So, for fear of not uh, keeping you here to lunch, I have six points this morning. Uh, which, if you know me, that is a lot more than usual, but we're going to hammer through these pretty quick. The, as we're working through this big passage, there's three things that I want to talk about with God, and then in response to that, three things about how we love in light of God's love. So you already see uh, some of them up on the screen. We're going to start from the top. God is love. This, this has been repeated a couple times in the passages that we read, that God is love. And for some of you, you're like, of course, that makes sense. And for others of you, you're like, how can a person be a thing like that? And for us to say that God is love, we look at 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, where it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. What does it mean for God to be love? In his very essence, the creator who has made himself known in Jesus and who empowers us by his Holy Spirit is a community of love from all eternity. This, this is, like, not to go down too much of a theological rabbit trail, but this is where our understanding of the Trinity makes sense of this. Where God, who has existed from eternity in the past, try to wrap your head around that, first of all, has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit, loving one another in this mutual relationship of love and glorification for all eternity before God ever created anything. God in and of himself is love. You can't exist as love if there's no one else to love. And so God, in this unique paradox of the Trinity, love, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Father, and like all vice versa, everything you can say about one, you can say about the other. God himself within himself is the very essence of love and decided to communicate that love in his creation. Theologians talk about how God created not because he needed something, not because he needed a creation to feel good about himself, but the love that God shares among himself as Father, Son, and Spirit overflowed in a way where he wanted to invite others into that kind of a love. And so he chose to create. God is love and therefore he is the source of all love love comes from god if god is love then the every positive experience that we have of love is a glimpse and is given to us from god 
It comes from him. If God did not exist, there would not be love as we know it. Let's move on to the second one, that God loves us. 1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Here's what we need to understand about God and how he exists as love. Love for God isn't just positive feelings that he has towards us. God demonstrates the kind of love he is. And the purest, most beautiful picture of that love is Jesus. He loves us enough that he sent his son into the world that we might live through him. In another part of the passage that we read, it talks about how he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin, that God loves us enough that he wanted to bring redemption to us. He wanted to invite us back into relationship with him. We need to understand that for God, love is a demonstration, not just a feeling. It is active, and it is pursuing, and it is coming after us. The third of those three points is that God defines love. And, and connected with the other, we read in 1 John 3.16 and in 4.12, John, John's laying it out. Like, this is my definition. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's how this helps to shape our understanding of love. This is how it goes from like, I can talk about the chips the same way I talk about my wife to having God's perspective of what love is. If love is defined by Jesus coming and giving his life for us, then we see that this God-sourced kind of love that we're talking about is a self-giving love. It is a love that says, I am giving myself to you. And, and we see you know, that in a, a, a picture of that in, in marriage relationships, when they're operating in a healthy way, that, that we are giving of ourselves to this other person. But we also see it in, in the love that we should have for one another. That my love for you isn't just, oh, I'm going to like smile and wave, but I, I, I am actually going to act and demonstrate that love in, in not remaining far off from you. Not ignoring you when you have a need, but it is self-giving. There was a part in this passage where John said that if you have material possessions and you see a brother or sister who's in need and, and you don't help them, like, it, it's a hard sell to say that you have this kind of love. That our love is defined by Jesus' self-giving love. We also see that based on this definition, love doesn't have an ulterior motive. Love isn't like a, well, let me love you in order to get from you the thing that I want. I'm going to show you affection or I'm going to manipulate you or I'm going to kind of like tell you what you want to hear so I can get the things that I want from you. God doesn't have ulterior motives. He has the purest form of love. And what we see in Jesus in particular, that this kind of love costs something. 
if we have this kind of God-sourced love that's defined here, it is, it is a kind of love that we're just not going to be able to go about our day in the normal way if that is the kind of love that we're showing to people. If, if you, you look at your relationship, uh, a healthy relationship with a spouse, then it's one where the way that I interact and live with you is, means like I'm not going to carry on life as normal. Like I'm not going to spend all weekend watching my sports and like you just do your thing. It is a, it's, it's going to cost me some of the things that I want to do. But it is worth it. It is self-giving. There's no ulterior motive. And listen, all of this is from God. And the clearest picture that we have is Jesus showing us that God is love. God has shown his love to us, and he is the picture defining it. So John says, if we have received this kind of love, if God has loved us in this way, then our call as those who have been loved is to show the kind of love that God has shown us. If we've received it, then we're empowered and called to show it. And so these are our kind of three points of what this looks like for us. John talks about love being evidence. And what I mean for that is, is our love is evidence of us understanding the love that we've received from God. And, and if, if there is not evidence of this love in us, then it, it might be an indication that we don't understand the love that we've received from God. He says in John 3.14, 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. How you and I, as the family of God, love one another is a demonstration of how much we understand the love that we've received. I know a whole lot of people who have experience church in a way that isn't defined by this. And man, that, that breaks my heart because I think it speaks to a whole deeper thing of is there a lack of, of radical love among God's people because we don't understand the radical love that God has shown us. It speaks to a deeper thing. It is evidence of us knowing God and his love. It's evidence of us passing from life to death. He told his disciples in his last conversation with them in the gospel of John before his betrayal and death, he said, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. The evidence of us being disciples of Jesus, the evidence of us understanding the gospel, the evidence of us knowing God, is, is there love in our life? Are we defined by people of love? The second point in this is John talks about love as confidence. Love is confidence. And this is, this is how he sets it up. In, in 1 John 4, 17 and 18, he says, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Here's what he's saying. One day Jesus is going to come back. 
and in his return, he will, as the right judge who was judged for sin on the cross, he will respond to sin in the way that the just and right loving God responds to sin. That he will have grace on those whose, whose, whose uh, sin is forgiven and he will provide the consequences for the sin of those who are apart from him. And here's what John wants his readers to know. If you are fearful of Christ's return, or if you are fearful of his judgment, then maybe you haven't grasped this love. This love hasn't taken root in you yet. He says you have every reason to be confident if this love is taking place in you because this love comes from Jesus. This love is evidence that you know him. And if you are his, then you have nothing to fear in judgment. If we are fearful about what is to come, it means that we haven't grasped this love. We can have confidence that we live with him. We can have confidence that we're his. We can have confidence knowing that one day the end will come because of this love that we've experienced and that is evidence in our lives. I had an experience this past week where in, in, in my own spiritual walk and struggle of understanding the love of God, part, part of my journey is like, when I was in Bible college, my metric of what it meant to be a mature Christian is like, do you have all your theological ducks in a row? And so I wanted, like, I studied hard. I was trying to, like, outsmart my professors and trying to, like, you know, figure everything out. And my view of other, you know, classmates or even faculty at the school was like, well, if they think this theologically, like, you know, I'm, I'm further along the journey because I've got this figured out. And Paul's words ring in my head when I think about that time in my life where he says, if we have not love, then we're just a clanging symbol. We're just making noise. My journey has been one of, all right, let me grasp these things about God and, like, God is love seems so rudimentary. So let's, like, move beyond that, and we'll talk about, like, deep theological issues. But, man, the love of God is both rudimentary, but it is the most overwhelmingly complex and deep thing about who he is. We don't move beyond the love of God. My struggle has been to understand what that means for me personally. Like, what does it mean that God loves me beyond like a, oh, I know from reading that God is love and God loves me. And I had a, a conversation with a, a spiritual director last week who, who was talking to me about just some of the, the shame and, and guilt that I felt in my own life. And, and she, she said, do you realize that God knows you? I'm like, yeah, well, I, I know that's true. Like, th that's a thing we know to be true about God. He knows everything. And she's like, yeah, but do you, does, do you know that he knows you? And he understands you? Like, he understands the decisions that you've made in the past and why you made those decisions? 
Like, like he, he understands that why during the pandemic when you were feeling like all these pulls and shame and all these kinds of things that, that he understands exactly what was going on in your mind and your heart and he has compassion for you. And, and I don't know about you, but that was what I needed to not just hear, but I needed to internalize. To remember that when we talk about God as love, it's not just a theological principle, but it is a God loves me. And he knows me in a way that no one else does. Not even I do. He knows the why of why I do what I do. He knows the reason for why I made that decision. He, like, he knows the complexity and the mess of me, and he has compassion and deep love for me. And so since that's kind of sunk in for me this past week and a half, maybe, since that conversation, my, my conversations with God have been very much, okay, God, help me understand me the way that you do but help me understand how how you love me in this moment and how I can demonstrate your love in this moment because I'm feeling all kinds of things I'm conflicted in all kinds of ways I'm feeling all kinds of anger and angst and impatience and those kind of things but help me see how you love me and help me love out of that help me love my kids in the way that you love them. Help me love Haley in the way that you love her. Help me love this ragtag group of Christians and almost Christians. Our love reveals God. This is something that I found incredibly beautiful in reading these passages. John says this, that no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The love that followers of Jesus have for one another is a glimpse of God to a world that doesn't know him. I, I don't know about you, but it seems like the church has a bit of a PR problem. Like, everything that I see in the news about the church is negative, and, and a lot of it rightly so. A lot of it rightly so, and a lot of that because the church has chosen not to love, but has chosen to, let's make theological correctness the main thing of who we are. Let's make our denominational tradition the most important thing about who we are. Let's make the coolness of our church and the way we do things the most important thing. What if what our community needs is not just a, another congregation that meets on a Sunday morning, but a people that can display what God is like to a community that needs to see him through the way that we love one another. And when I say one another, it's easy to say, okay, yeah, I see these other people in this room when I talk about one another. The church is bigger than this congregation, by the way. There's 15 churches in Montague. 
What if God is being displayed to our community through the way that we love them? And not just those in our room. Not just those who we can say, oh, well, we, we even agree on these main theological... Th-. Like, there's some churches down the street where you can say, oh, well, we disagree about this kind of thing. Or I don't like how they do that. Or there's some stuff back there. But what if we're called to love one another, not just this congregation, but the capital C church, when he says one another as brothers and sisters, in a way that displays the love of God in our community? What if Montague needs to see God in how we love other churches? What if our community needs to see God in how his people love those who are on the margins or those who have shot themselves in the foot a few times and they're easy to dismiss? What if our community needs to see God in the way that his people love the addicted and the ones who take advantage of the unemployment system and in how we love the ones who have wronged us in the past. What if that is how our community needs to see God? We can only love if we have received the love of God, if we've experienced it and if we know it. And so maybe this morning you, you, you're in a place where like you, you're hearing about all this Jesus stuff, maybe church is a new thing for you, and, you know, you know the platitudes of, like, God is love, God loves you. But maybe this morning you need to receive, like, God actually knows you. He knows your sin and your mess. And he understands and he loves you anyway enough to send his son to die for you. You can receive that and respond to that and say, okay, yes, I, I want in. I, I want to love this God who loves me. And if that's you, I, I, I will, would love to continue conversations in exploring what that means for you. For those of us who love Jesus, my prayer is that we might be disciples who, like we say on like our sign out in the lobby, that we would live and love like Jesus so that our community around us would be able to see the unseen God in the love of his people. Let's pray. God, you love us with a love that is immeasurable, that is beyond what we understand, and is sometimes easy to just glaze over when we talk about it, because it does seem so basic. But Holy Spirit, my prayer is that through your word and in this time that you would just be, you'd be just kind of hitting us right in the heart that you would be speaking to the deep parts of us that, that need to experience your love or who are afraid to love, who have things that are, seem to be obstacles for us of loving with the kind of love that you love with. May we be reminded of the depth of your love for us shown in Jesus. May you empower us by your spirit to love with that love radically and extravagantly to those around us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Stephen.